20th Century Fox invites you to enter a universe without rules, without laws, without limits. After Earth ends, the adventure begins. Titan AE, get ready for the human race. Technological developments have had as great an impact on our lives as these two idiots. Stop telling me you two are pretty good. Best in the company. Golly, I'm so impressed. You're talking about line of sight. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Welcome to Line of Sight. This is episode 176 for February 21st, 2023 BE. No, that doesn't make sense. I guess it's uh, <laughs> still AD. <laughs> BD. That doesn't that make sense. Uh, <laughs> but it will tie in. It might make sense in a, in a moment. Uh, my name is Adam. And my name is Nathan. And what I'm trying to segue into is that we're doing a little review of a little thing called Titan AE, which stands for After Earth. So for me to say BE doesn't make sense because it's not before Earth, but it is before After Earth. (laughs) There you go. We made it. Uh, How are you, Nathan? Good. And that just re- made me think of, wasn't there a M. Night Shyamalan movie called After Earth? Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I, I started, I watched like the first good. half hour and I didn't, I don't really remember much. I remember not hating it, but uh, I never went back to it. So I think it was just streaming or something, but yeah, I would watch it and I kind of want to watch Knock at the Cabin out now. Yeah, I'm from M Night. I'm a, I'm I don't know. It's hard to say if I'm an M Night head, but there are some of his that I really really like. But I definitely don't love everything. I haven't seen all of them. I've seen most, or no, I don't know. I think I've seen most, but. I will say that there's something about his way of directing that kind of pulls you in. It, yeah. I feel like you watch five minutes of it and it makes you keep watching somehow. I don't know what it is, but uh, more so than other movies where it's easier to shut them off. I feel like yeah. they pull you along. Except but, After Earth, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Which goes against what I just said. <laughs> but that's probably why. I feel like if I see, yeah, the other ones. I'm not in love with Unbreakable the way everyone else seems to be, but it is really good. I think those first core, I think they're all good. Yeah. 
it's kind of like well <laughs> I I'm speaking out of turn here but I was was about to say kind of like Pixar where they nail the first few I think he has a bit of a different traje- trajectory because people kind of turned on him but I feel like they're all pretty much the same uh, style and quality, whether you like what it's about or not. Uh, and yeah, he's a, he's a good filmmaker. I w- I'm not a fan of uh, The Visit. I haven't seen that. And some people talk about that being great, and it's like, this is the first of his, well, maybe not the first, but one that I definitely feel like is a bad movie. Right. I haven't seen The Visit. I haven't seen The Happening. I haven't seen Airbender. So. Yeah, and I actually enjoy watching The Happening. I know that was the big one that kind of turned everyone off, but uh, I think it's fine. So. Um, yeah, so M. Night Shyamalan is in theaters with... <laughs> Knock at the cabin. Check it out. <laughs> we haven't seen it. But we have seen Titan AE from 2000. Um, so we we came to this because I brought it up last week talking about the Wrath of Khan and a few things in that reminding me of this. And uh, Nathan hasn't watched it in a while. I haven't watched it in a while either, actually. But I have seen it quite a bit. And watching it or rewatching it, it's like it is one of those movies where it's been forever since I've seen it, but watching it, it's like I remember every little detail about this. <laughs> yeah, see, I think this is only the second, maybe second and a half time I've seen it because there's major things in it. It is kind of memorable in a weird way, but like, uh, there's certain things that I really remembered, but then other things is like, this is brand new to me. So, uh, yeah. So it's, no. it's got a weird reputation because I feel like, uh, well, it bombed at the box office. Yeah. Like crazily. It wasn't the hit that they were expecting it to be. Um, I remember one of the quotes, I don't know if it was on the, uh, VHS possibly when a little uh, quotes from someone said this is the one Star Wars fans have been waiting for and it's like okay I guess maybe not specifically yeah maybe because this Um, is year 2000 yeah and it was supposed to be released in 99 and there were a bunch of other animated movies that were coming out so it got pushed um couldn't tell you what they were off the top of my head, but uh, when I was watching this, I was going through IMDb trivia, <laughs> picking up some little tidbits. Um, but yeah, so anyone who doesn't know, the uh, synopsis is, a young man learns that he has to find a hidden Earth ship before an enemy alien species does before an alien species does in order to secure the survival of humanity. Which doesn't really tell you much about the plot. What it is, at the very beginning, Earth is destroyed and humans are now these refugees in space. It's in the year 3000-something. 
and uh, yeah, this guy learns that there's something the ship that can save humanity, and it's a it's uh, a race to find who finds it first, him or the evil dredge. Just looking at the poster, the tagline on the poster says, "Get ready for the human race." I actually, speaking of IMDb, there's a whole tagline section. I saw that one, and it's like, okay, a little bit of a play on words, I guess, because it's a race to the ship, sort of, and then human race. Some of these make no sense. Like, saving the galaxy one planet at a time. That has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> that's no. just That's a very generic, that, got to get butts in seats. Let's just throw just something out there. Yeah. Uh, 15 years after Earth, humanity's last hope, dot, 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 is Titan AE. Well, it's really just the Titan. There's no AE. Uh, so, another fail. Pre- prepare for life after Earth. That makes sense. Uh, it does not, doesn't really grip you. Um, when Earth ends, the adventure begins. That's not bad. That's okay. And this one is nothing to do with the actual movie, but the next generation in filmed animation, which I guess is more of a technical thing because it heavily features CG animation, but it's also a 2D animated like characters um, and some environments. It's very, very much a hybrid Yes, um, it's uh, Wikipedia says 2D traditional hand-drawn animation with an extensive use of computer-generated imagery. Yeah. So it's and, like kind of the characters are all yeah. hand-drawn 2D. And then I think a lot of, not everything, but a lot of <laughs> the backgrounds and everything else is CG. Yeah, so. backgrounds and ships and... The which, aliens. Which, uh, what do you think of that? I think it works. There's there's only one shot that I think is actually bad, and that's the final shot. Not to spoil it, but when they're standing on New Earth, there's whoa, like this whoa, pull-off, whoa. pullback People shot. Have, it's spoilers. This is 23 uh, years old. Uh, and yeah, it's like... The, the two of them standing there and it just looks really unfinished uh, but everything else I think is pretty seamless and there's some things that like hold up extremely well uh, the CG just on its own that was one of the scenes uh, talking about last week but the like ice crystals and stuff like that whole scene looks amazing and not to get ahead of myself, but also sounds amazing. I think there's well, a lot of really good stuff. Well, yeah, just with the looks, I would like it. It looks weird and I don't clunky at times, but never, I don't think bad. Like, yeah. because it's obvious, like, there's always that contrast there. But the contrast is obvious and on purpose. So, like, even when things don't, like, feel 
the smoothest or the most organic, it kind of like, it's not even forgivable. It's like, well, I'm sure they would make it a little bit better if they could, but it's still pretty impressive. And I like that they're attempting something. Uh, I will say though, that they are like, maybe flew too close to the sun on this, uh, where it's like, I don't think you would be using these camera techniques or animation techniques all the time if you were just uh, just doing it all in one type. Where there's like a lot of rotating camera stuff. Yeah. Like when they're walking upstairs and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, no other, like even normal... Uh, live action movies don't move cameras this much like some move a lot but not like all the time when it's just like dialogue stuff uh and like that's obviously a decision but you know what i'm saying like it's just like it's almost like you're showing off or you're making a lot of work for yourself and it's noticeable but it kind of it doesn't really look bad, it's always, but it's just, like, you kind of feel it. And it does remind me of, like, there is some stuff, Disney stuff, where specifically the magic carpet escape in Aladdin, mm -hmm. where it's, like, there's some C early CG in that, and you can kind of feel it. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm just, there's just a few things. But then with the 2D animation... I think they're over animating almost everybody. Like the, yeah, they're using it, their like hands so much, like where it's like people like right. Me and you were just talking, and we're just talking, right? <laughs> and yeah. we'll use our hands, or I'll use my hands a little bit, or whatever. But the way that they are, it's like I understand. It's kind of. It's a cartoon. It's meant for kids. You kind of want to express things, even if you don't understand what they're talking about. But it's a little like exaggerated, and I think they could have just like toned that down by ten, fifteen percent, where like hands aren't flailing around all the time. But, yeah, it is. That is kind of noticeable, and I. It's hard to say because it's like I don't know. I think a lot of animated movies do do that but maybe because it's going for the realism it's more noticeable like it's yeah. not trying to be cartoony but by doing that it's making it cartoony but also the thing that I was getting from it is um, it was intentionally imperfect animation where there's things where like characters are reacting to things and it's almost like a bad take and it's like, right. well, it's an animated, you can, you can fix that. You just draw it a different way or don't make someone do something where it looks like they've messed up. But there's a lot of stuff where like background people or like whoever's not talking, they're the way they're reacting. I don't know. There's just like a lot of motion going on. And I, I don't think that's bad. But the thing that kind of distracts me is the audio or the voice work where there's a lot of like 
grunts and groans and like (laughs) and it's like don't like we don't need them to be verbal like are vocalizing these faces that they're making but like there's a lot of that and (laughs) it stands out to me and it's always kind of bothered me about it like even uh so one of the main things uh which i think should be more iconic and i get it it flopped so obviously it's not going to be but the whole map on the hand thing is a really cool unique yeah thing and then but how it activates corso takes the ring and he's like doing all this stuff to it but like he's making all these noises he's like ah uh, and it's just like shut up and just do your thing right. <laughs> but it's so vocal about every little thing so that's my biggest complaint about it and it's something i've always kind of been aware of but i don't know i've seen it so many times that i just accept it yeah i think modern movies like this isn't that modern but it is still in the modern age just need to tone it down a little yeah. bit with like simpler is better you don't always have to have people doing everything. Talking about it flopping, yeah, it's Wikipedia says it cost seventy-five to ninety, and it only made thirty-seven at the box office. Million dollars that is, so that's that's a punch in the gut. Yeah, I I don't even know if I saw it in theaters, but I remember actually being excited for it. And I, this is probably the only time this has ever happened, but I read the junior novelization before seeing the movie. It was like, this is going to be amazing. I'm reading it. And, uh, there's certain things that are in it that aren't in the movie. And I think I benefited from reading it. Things made a little bit more sense. I don't know. Um, I was reading about some deleted scenes that there are, but I don't really remember those. But I just remember the explanation of the dredge was a lot better because there really is none in this. It's just they show up, they want to destroy humanity. That was like a novelization? Okay, so not... Yeah, it's not based on this book. This was of the movie... And there's added things in it. Because I do feel like, uh, well, we should talk about Don Bluth and just that whole situation. Because I do feel like there's parts of this that are unfinished. Yeah. In a way. And, like, things that are, like, it's not that long of a movie. Like, it's standard hour and a half-ish. But uh, I feel like things are cut and Mm -hmm. would be expanded specifically when they're preparing whatever ship it is but the old ship and it's like a montage and like there's like this little section when it's kale right yeah so kale is like he runs into this uh woman and her brother i think plays soccer and like that Mm -hmm. whole thing and then there's the montage of them building the ship. And then, like, when they're leaving, there's, like, this whole group cheering them on. And I feel yeah. like that whole thing is, like, I feel there's easily ten minutes there of yeah. potential deleted scenes or getting to know these people and all this stuff. Because it's just, like, 
are you paying these people? I know, but like, why are they fixing your ship? Why are they so invested in you? It feels like this whole thing is like so yeah. rushed and fast forward. I and mean, it's easy to explain. It's their humanity's hope or right. whatever. And these, the, this is this Earth drifter colony where yeah. it's all human. So they, they're invested in that way. But yeah, saying that, um, so one thing I read was it was originally intended to be live action, which for the time, I don't know how that would have gone, but I think it could be done now. But talking about that, I could see it being a live action limited series where it's like, yeah, you easily could like each section of this be an episode. Yeah. And not be in one place twice. Like you just kind of there's the the drifter colony section, there's like the space section. The like I think that could kinda of work. I um, think I think and it, like a very limited like even just like six episodes. Yeah. Or whatever. And it would be There'd be like perfect a and there's a final yeah. it actually ends and like a Yeah, nice, and you don't need to <laughs> keep dragging it out yeah like a nice start and finish to the whole thing yeah so yeah and you could flesh things out because i agree things seem very rushed and weirdly edited like there's just kind of really abrupt scenes um like one that always bothered me was when they go to rescue akima and she's like in the slave trader quarters or whatever like her uh whatever pod she's in gets picked up by these slavers or something and they go to rescue her and she's already beat them all up and she's like what took you so long and it's like i get it that's a little joke that like she's already taken care of it but it's like it they put a little bit of time into it just to end it with that and it seems like yeah I don't know. <laughs> it's it's just a weird thing. It's so quick to get to it and quick to finish it. And um, then the other thing, I feel like there's a step missing for how to find the the Titan. Uh, so yeah. he's got this map on his hand. They go to the first place it's saying to go, and then he holds it up, and now it's pointing somewhere else. And then that's just where it is. Mm -hmm. It feels like there's a third step somewhere that they need to be doing. Yeah. So, I, agree. I don't know. As, those it, are my complaints. <laughs> yeah. As far as, like, big picture stuff, it feels like perfect timing. I didn't look at the dates for all these, but I feel like a lot of them are roughly early 2000, late 90s. Treasure Planet... I've never mm -hmm. seen. I would be interested to watch that now. Uh, Atlantis, another Disney one. Iron Giant. Yeah. Kind of like with the like weird animation and parts. And then talk about animation, but like Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Spirits Within. That yeah. too. Like if these are all like not crazy successful <laughs> but sci-fi kid-ish yeah. stuff. I like, think the most successful now and it wasn't at the time I don't think was 
Iron Giant. Yes. Like, I think now it's like, oh, Brad Bird, and this is actually amazing. And I feel like that that this falls into the same thing where it's like, where's the love for Titan AE? Like, I feel like if someone else had made it, well, I don't know. Don Bluth is pretty well known. uh, And this was kind of his last... I don't know if it was the last. I think he's done things after, but last movie I think that he yeah. directed. Um, but there has been a uh, Dragon's Lair that's been in pre-production forever. Um, so yeah, it's like I don't know why this. Maybe just because of the financial reasons, but like the cast, I think is really good. I like all the voices. Um, so main character Kale is Matt Damon, Drew Barrymore is Akima, Bill Pullman is Corso, um, you've got Nathan Lane as Preed, I think he's one of my favorite characters, I like his lines and stuff, and his character design is kind of interesting, he's like this weird almost horse face lizard alien type thing. <laughs> I don't know how to describe him. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he is interesting. Uh, yeah. I would say just listening to it and not knowing who all the voices were like, but like Bill Pullman from Independence Day is so recognizable. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, it took me a while. Like I, I had to look up, for Matt Damon, like it's like I yeah, recognize this. I recognize generic. this, but yeah, it's just like and Drew Barrymore has a unique voice. Yeah, um, and then a couple others: Janine Gar- Garofalo, John Leguizamo, and yeah. Tone Locke is Tech. Uh, what else? What was he a voice in? I forget. I was just thinking of it. I'm like, oh yeah, he also did a voice for. He's a pretty distinct voice, and I can't think. Maybe I'm just thinking of Ace Ventura. He's an Ace Ventura. Uh, but, uh, oh, and then also, and I don't even know if I knew this growing up, Ron Perlman is Kale's dad. Okay. He's got an awesome voice. Yeah. Um, so, not like these are all, they're all pretty well-known people. They're not like these forgotten stars um and other big thing about this and i have it here with me the soundtrack (laughs) titan ae uh the soundtrack is full of bangers and it's so 2000. It's well, see, amazing. I don't know if it is full of bangers. That's one thing that certainly does not make this movie timeless at all. No, it's that, de- yeah, it definitely dates it. Uh, I won't name all the tracks, but here's here are the best ones Over My Head by Lit. I'm in over my head. That's the one during the um, montage when they're fixing things up. It's a pretty pop punk. I would say these are all pretty on the nose, too. (laughs) Yeah, and yeah, what they're saying, I'm assuming most of them are written for the movie. 
<laughs> specifically uh, Cosmic Castaway. is at the beginning when you first meet like old uh, like adult Kale and he's flying on his little speeder thing and he uh, leaves his chainsaw laser chainsaw just floating in space yeah it's I don't know how very wasteful works. and then yeah he crashes into the ship and who knows where his little speeder thing goes and floats away but I like the transition there where it, uh, it's saying the the uh, chorus it says cosmic castaway and then it like kind of stops when he hits it and it goes it sounds awesome uh it's my turn to fly when it's literally kale's turn to take control of the ship But that song and that scene, I love it. Like it's that is a banger for me when they're flying with the 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 angels from the moon of Diego. I think. <laughs> uh, what else? I think maybe that's it. Uh, yeah, I think it's really those three songs that I actually liked. The other ones are okay. Um, and I know that uh, in the trailer for it, they used Creed Higher <laughs> as the song. Of and I was all pumped for that, and it's not in it. So, uh, yeah, tiny music from the motion picture. I was we're doing a bit of a purge of things, and I have stacks of CD cases that... CDs are in like wallets and it's like why do we have boxes of CD cases <laughs> so a lot of them are getting thrown out and some of them I'm holding on to because <laughs> why not uh, yeah Emotional no for sure I would them. say just yeah for the sound I love the sound like with the surround sound and the ships and the lasers and the pew pewing yeah. was great but the actual music was a little uh it's much an assault on the ears yeah. in a whole other well, way. Well, which is actually interesting because, like, obviously, anything sci-fi is for sure influenced at least a little bit by Star Wars, and just the fact that like Star Wars went with a classical track, like, yeah, it's not unheard of that it wouldn't necessarily like that's not a foregone conclusion to do that, and like that save some movie like if it was like 70s if you put some disco yeah if they went flash gordon yeah like because i mean flash gordon was one of those serials that star wars is kind of uh based off of or not based but like yeah inspired inspired by but then the movie the soundtrack by queen like <laughs> it's great but it does date it and yeah. yeah star wars it would be something completely different if it wasn't 
for John Williams. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, that, whatever. Uh, I like, uh, the, there's lots of good ideas in this movie. Uh, some executed better than others, but, like, just, like, the no-gravity fight and things like that, I think that's mm-hmm. a good idea. Uh, some space movies utilize that, but I don't feel like enough. It's always a good little thing. Uh, the different alien races are yeah. around. Like the one I feel like could have the one crew member with the crazy legs. Yeah, I feel like that could be redesigned. To be she just something, looks like a it just looks so weird. With, yeah, yeah, double like, jointed, and yeah, it doesn't look. It, I'm not against the crazy design. It just doesn't look like the proportion stays the same and all this stuff. Like it, the, yeah, it, it looks weird. Uh, but yeah, they love the rotating camera. But yeah, and the weird thing about the rotating camera is it works flawlessly in the 3d environments but when you're doing a hand-drawn 2d image it's like it doesn't quite keep up like it must have taken a lot to get that looking right and it still doesn't look perfect yeah but it's like a for effort for giving it a shot it's not the same thing but you know that one scene in mulan when she's getting the armor out and she's like walking up to the like (laughs) Uh, it doesn't matter but it's just like it's I don't know you just feel that it's different or whatever but like it's exactly uh, there's even one in Prince of Egypt where he's sitting by the Nile and he's like talking to his mom and saying is this where you found me and then there's like a rotating shot but it is always like treating 2D like 3D yeah, it's, it's almost like, choppy, where it's yeah. like, this is them straight on, now you're at a quarter, now you're at, like, it's yeah. it's not smooth between those points. Yeah, and the you're, the person's moving, and the camera's moving, and, yeah. like, I feel like they had a couple in this one with rotating cameras of people walking up and down yeah. stairs. And, and it's like, Valkyrie, the ship, it's, it's like, like, yeah, Corso's coming up yelling orders, and it's, like, camera flying around them. Yeah, and I it, did notice that. Yeah. And people feel a little awkward or whatever, but I don't mind. Like I, I, I kind of enjoy it that this. It's exists. ambitious. Uh, <laughs> what are those uh, crazy Netflix robots? Life, death, robots. What is that like? Animation oh yeah, thing? love, death, and robots. Yeah, I feel like that. Like this is the thing. You these things cost millions of dollars uh but i do love the idea of different types of animation getting a full feature and like even i have a soft spot for i haven't watched it forever but final fantasy and stuff like it's just like yeah it's not the best or whatever but it's animation is fun it's different and uh to have like some crazy designs or whatever, I think uh, I'll give you a bit of a pass or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't. 
it's yeah, it doesn't look boring, and they're trying some things. Um, one thing though, uh, so Don Bluth, the the film he did before this, it was really two. He did Anastasia, and then there's like a spinoff, Bartok, the Magnificent or something, Bartok something. Um, but the guy voiced by John Cusack in Anastasia looks exactly like Kale. Like their hair's a different color, but like <laughs> their face, like if you did a, a side by side, it's the same character. Um, and I thought you would love that haircut. His yeah. 90s boy yeah. band haircut in the year 3044. <laughs> Yeah, we should talk about uh, just Don Bluth. So I did read up a little bit more about him, but, like, so he worked for Disney for a while, and, like, he animated some sequences in Robin Hood. Specifically, when Robin Hood saves a baby rabbit was one of his scenes. (laughs) So this guy has talent, no doubt. But then uh, he left. And made his own studio. So he is responsible for things like Secret of Nim, American Tale, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Land Before Time, Anastasia, and Titan AE. Which, for some reason, I think some of this... Is this all under Fox? Yes. So Disney bought up all this crap now? Yeah, which because I think like Anastasia is a Disney princess now. I think yeah, officially. and uh, yeah, another one. Um, my sister used to watch Thumbelina all okay. the time, and the prince in that, the fairy prince, yeah. is another doppelganger for these two guys. So he was yeah. actually the first, and then there's whatever his name is, Anastasia, <laughs> Kale Titanay. It's like they're just reusing the same handsome leading man. Yeah. <laughs> They they did an algorithm back then. But, like, some of these movies, like American Tale and Land Before Time, like, I feel like Land Before Time is probably their most successful. Like, I feel that was a, that's a banger. That's a hit. Like, any kid growing up in the 90s loves Land Before Time. Yeah, uh, American Tale got a couple sequels I'm aware of. I know he, I know one. he didn't do the second one, but I, I know that one I enjoy, and there's more than that, but I'm sure they're just, like, direct-to-video things. Yeah. And, yeah, Land Before Time has, like, 20 sequels. I <laughs> <laughs> just kept yeah. pumping those out. Dinosaurs uh, are go-to. Yeah, and even All Dogs Go to Heaven, I'm pretty sure that has at least one sequel. Mm-hmm. So uh, I watched that a while ago, and it's... Yeah depressing i want to i have never i don't think i've ever seen all go dogs go to heaven I, I, I know i had seen it when i was a kid and then watching it like in my later years and thinking like how is this a kid's movie this is so boring and depressing well <laughs> see that's the thing where it's just like let's talk about this stuff where i think land before time is the most successful because cartoons are as much for respect that I do give them they are kind of a children's art form where like I think they can be elevated and are like adults like Pixar and stuff can enjoy them but the base 
audience, the core audience is, and I think will always be, uh, kids. Yeah. So it's just like, even if, yeah, like obviously there's a lot of the Simpsons and Family Guy and all these, like, uh, it can be successful, but, uh, I think that's more of a, like, a creative choice than like for movies it's just like what there was like that sausage party thing <laughs> or something yeah. but it's like i don't think that was super successful maybe i'm wrong but uh, yeah i don't know i but like thing even, i know about that was that, that was one of the first stories i heard about like animators being abused right and, like i want to see my family no finish the shot of <laughs> right a and that like, seems and that does seem not arty. That seems like just yeah. like product, product, get it out there, that kind of stuff. But like all his stuff, not all of it, but like there is a darkness to it. Like even yeah. American, American Tale, Tale has like, it's pretty scary at points. Yeah. And uh, like, I, I get, I feel like the land before time makes the most sense. Because it's just like, yeah, a T-Rex is inherently scary, but kind of they deal with it. And like Secret of Nymphs, terrifying. It's just <laughs> creepy yeah, rats Yeah, it and is stuff. very, yeah, that one is definitely scary. Uh, and I think that was another one. It's like, I remember seeing it or having it taped off TV, but like not watching it a lot. And then watching when I'm older, it's like, what is this? Like, I don't right. remember any of this stuff. I know Trevor loves it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, American it is Tale good. is uh, obviously like we've talked about it before. How like the um, what are they called? The Russian Jews, right? Um, and like it's based on real things. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> but in this like cartoon mouse like yeah it makes it no, like kind of... those like land before time and american tale are awesome but then uh, and even secret and him and stuff and anastasia i don't really know that well i have seen it but like there is talent there and they're not bad none of these are bad it's just like there's not marketable in the same way and then even this like, there's blood, animated this, blood. I would a hundred percent say is not a kids movie. Right. I think it's like a very narrow demographic where it's like too teen. narrow. Too like, narrow. Yeah. That, so that, 2000, I would have been 14. Right. Like, so it's like perfect. No, like no wonder I'm excited for this. It's like. This is the one Star Wars fans have been waiting for. I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm 14. It's like, it's a little risque at times, too. There's like him walking in on her after a shower and she's like wrapping a towel around herself. You don't see anything, but it's like the nudity is implied. Well, that's the thing for a 12 year old. Yeah, so it's like, ooh, that you rewind and play and, that again and see and then, if I can catch something. Well, that's the thing, and he gets, uh, and he's naked in it too. He's and naked. You do yeah, see, you see his butt crack. Yeah, and where it's just uh, like decisions <laughs> like that, or it's just like, 
what is the purpose? Like, wh- I think it is to be edgy and to show that this is for. Well, also, actually, one thing I read: this is the first PG Don Bluth film. Everything else has been G. Right. Even though they are dark and scary, like this one being PG was a big step. Yeah, but um, I think you're cu- cutting out your audience. I yeah, but I feel like that is almost a calculation, and especially at that point in his career, like again, I think me being the target audience, loving Land Before Time, I was two when it came out. No, yeah, it came out in '88, and I grew up. That was like my favorite movie growing up. So by the time 2000 comes, not that I was like following Don Bluth's <laughs> career. But right. it's like, yeah, this is uh, this is gonna be awesome, and yeah, that soundtrack and like the uh, like dyed hair, uh, like Akima has the purple hair. It's like, oh, it's so cool and edgy. Uh, yeah, I think it's just it is a very narrow demographic, so it's not too surprising that it didn't do well. Yeah, for that. Um, some but, of the yeah, dialogue they're... I think is pretty rough. Uh, just like they need to rework it. I think there's one part. I I, I think uh, Kale saying it where it's like thank you, and then he's like thank me. It's like no thank you for saving my life. And it's like how would anyone interpret you saying thank you? Like obviously. Like, you just opened a door or something happened, <laughs> and it's just, like, he saved your life 20 minutes ago. Like, it was so, like, one of those, not epic, but, like, how dialogue gets so predictable, yeah. and, like, uh, Red Letter Media actually was talking about this with the Picard stuff, where it's like, he was a good friend. A friend that our souls could, and just like talking slowly, and like you're not saying anything, like it's not, yeah. And like, did you prepare that? Like, (laughs) how long have you been sitting on that one? Like, yeah, yeah, not just speaking how people actually speak. Uh, one actually, I had a little ongoing thing about um, the violence, the fact that you see ships getting destroyed at the beginning i think is a is kind of a big thing like they're, they're escaping and like getting hit with debris and obviously a lot of people on earth would have been killed when they destroy it but yeah like seeing there's like three ships i think you see getting smoked out of the sky uh and then it's just yeah, it doesn't sugarcoat it. It's not like uh, everyone made it off okay. It's just now there's no earth. It's like no, a lot of people died. Um, it's kind of cartoony when it happens, but they kill the cook yeah. when they're like hunting that, them, and there's kind of a weird cartoony like his mouth is still, still moving and says bullseye, and it like yeah. falls in the pile of goo. Um, and there's a lot of blood like blood when kale is shot there when they're escaping and he's like bleeding on the glass i think that looks pretty cool and then there's like zero gravity blood when corso shot at the end and he again full-on spoilers here uh he snaps preed's neck yeah does the old head twist and it's like i just witnessed someone 
being murdered. Like it's yeah, it's pretty. That's pretty violent. Yeah, no, exactly. Movie, so and I wouldn't it's say weird it's for kids. Because that's the thing. Like, it's only like these bursts of PG, but then the rest of it, like, is perfectly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's always that kind of thing where it's like, well, ninety nine percent of it could have been rated G or yeah. whatever, and then you have. Uh, if you add it all up, two minutes worth of weird stuff where it's like, okay, but is that even making your movie better? That, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, there's the guy that like saves Kale at the beginning and then he kind of just never goes with them. Yeah. That just feels weird. Yeah, and like he's like, and he doesn't get killed or something. He doesn't get killed. You don't see him at the end. But that was another thing I read was like, I think it was about him, him and Corso. Technically, you don't know if he dies. Right. You don't see like you can assume he does, but like it kind of leaves things open. Uh, I don't know if that was for sequel potential or what. Like if they thought it was going to be a bigger hit. Oh, actually, right. uh, one thing I did see was. There was a planned video game that never happened because of the uh, financial failure that it was. Um, one thing at the beginning um, with young Kale, uh, I felt like he really looked like Rescuers Down Under Cody, the kid in that. He really looks like him. And it's funny because Don Bluth worked on The Rescuers, mm-hmm. the first one. Um, but I think this was on the VHS. I watched this on Disney plus cause I looked at my Blu-ray shelf and I'm like, Oh, I don't have it on Blu-ray, but I know I have the DVD. Um, so I just watched it on Blu-ray. So I don't know if it was VHS or even on the DVD. I'm assuming the DVDs letterboxed, but, uh, I definitely remember it starting with the black bars and then um, when Kale's like chasing the little boat device thing that he has in the river, yeah, and he like kind of trips and lands in front of his dad. There's like a transition there where he trips, and then it go- it's the next angle. And as he lands, it went to full frame. And I remember really? thinking it was awesome. It was like that was a cool transition, and it's really? almost like. Uh, in Tron Legacy, that's what it made me think of when it's like it goes from the real world to inside and it goes full frame. That I think is actually gradual, but um, yeah, it made me want to pull that out. But I think it's on VHS and I don't, I haven't come across that yet in my digging through old, useful, useless tapes and such. Yeah, we're getting another Tron movie. Oh, good probably because of the attraction at Disney. <laughs> yeah, so that they have that at Shanghai, but now, yeah, they're bringing it to Orlando. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I think at New Bangkok, I see a Death Star. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you think of their uh, Space Forks? When they're eating lunch. 
at the beginning or yeah it's at the beginning they're like almost the like a, a c shape where it's like not prongs but like it's almost like this curve thing where it's like one prong and then it goes around in another prong it's like this doesn't make sense there's no practicality to this <laughs> and it's just to look futuristic or something uh double nudity akira sex appeal <laughs> i really liked uh kale's line when um corso first is trying to convince him to come with him and he's like talking about humanity and how it needs the help and whatever and he says something about like and it took your speech to make me realize this i you've really changed me i think right. we got a hug like i i remember quoting that and probably never like for any reason just because i i liked saying it but i really like that you've really changed me like it's so <laughs> sarcastic but he's playing it pretty straight I think it's pretty funny. Um, I, and I also like uh, Preed when they're doing the, the he's they're doing the slave trader thing, and he like kicks Corso. And he's like, "Stop fidgeting, worm!" <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> it's great. Uh, yeah, I like. I feel it's a little like. What what's the Bill Pullman's name? Corso. Corso. It's like they find out that he's lying just because he has his door open and he's screaming. It's like yeah. you'd think you have this clamped down a little more, your plan. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like just a movie thing. But uh, there's a shot before that where, like, he's walking away and gives this look where it's like, I'm a bad guy. Right. <laughs> like, it's, it's him walking and, like, looking over his shoulder and walking in a hurry. And then you don't really see anything. But it's like, hmm, that's a weird shot. <laughs> yeah. And there, it was weird when, like, whatever the lower sidekicks are, the, like, tech nerd guy and the kangaroo uh when like they're just full-on shooting at kale and stuff yeah and they're not really questioning it like yeah it's a little i feel like there's more scenes to iron some of these uh inconsistencies out yeah because corso gives a bit of an explanation right I don't think it's very sound like and it's they're just kind of shut down saying something about like because he questioned me and that's what they're doing and like they don't hear the gunfire like they're shooting them in the ship yeah and then it's just like okay (laughs) I actually liked uh that shot when when they escape and there's like the little airlock between them and it's like uh Corso and Preed on behind the one door and the glass and they're looking through the window and then the door shuts and Kale's look like staring them down from the other I actually really like those shots uh I think they're pretty cool yeah I wish what, what what's the nerd guy's name goon goon I think he should have died like it seems too, like he should have right because <laughs> and it, like the self-sacrifice and it's like in this movie where everyone's getting killed all the time anyways who cares so yeah 
I feel well, like... he does come back for some reason. Uh, is he flying a ship or is he? I don't know. When he's like, I finished my nap, and he's like shooting a gun or he's doing something from within the ship. Oh, he's fl- yeah, he's flying the Valkyrie, right? Yeah. Um, which, by the way, I love the design of that ship. I think it looks really cool. It's very. It does feel kind of Star Wars inspired. Like it's almost like one of the Carillion Corvettes, like at the beginning of A New Hope, but maybe sleeker. And then it's got the like pointy things sticking out, almost like an X-wing. And <laughs> are you, <laughs> which ship cool. are you talking about? The bigger one or the small one? The I mean? the big one. The small one I think is. I don't know if it's called the Phoenix or something. There's a decal that they do on that. That one's okay. I think it's unique looking. And uh, actually, um, reminds me, there's a writing credit on this from Joss Whedon. And a lot of this actually gave me um, Firefly vibes just with the the crew and the ship and the dirty environments and like a lot of that stuff it's like i don't know what he had to do with it it could be like the classic joss whedon punching up dialogue kind of thing i don't know how much of the story and aesthetic he would have had to do with but uh maybe he got the idea from this i (laughs) I don't know what timing uh that show had right uh yeah it gets pretty melodramatic at the end like Armageddon when Bill Pullman changes sides again yeah uh, which I'm kind of fine with um, yeah it, I I don't know it, it seems to happen a lot in movies so whatever uh I'm fine with it. I my favorite scene by far is the ice scene, hiding yeah. in the ice. Uh, yeah, I think it's actually effective, and I didn't really remember the movie, so it was kind of like a first time watch, where it's like I don't know remember how this plays out. So, I think more movies should do stuff like this, where just people shooting guns a ton and just chaos happening like it can be cool and fun uh but it's also just like it always just seems like okay we're gonna have five minutes of chaos and guns and then we'll zero it down when someone might actually die you know what i mean so having like a quote action scene where you're hiding and seeking from people is fun yeah, the concept is cool. The look is cool. Yeah. And, yeah, it slows things down for a second. It does... It's kind of weird because they just start shooting once, like, they make it into a chase. Yeah. It's like, well, why didn't they do that? Just just shoot at all the ice. <laughs> and, but, yeah, and that also just having, like, the ice moving. Yeah. Where, like, it's cool, like... it. They can't just to, sit there forever. Wrath of Khan, they could just kind of sit there. But like this, yeah. there's other things happening. And like U571 has a scene like this where depth charges and stuff. Like, yeah, where you're trying to hide 
it's always fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's my favorite. Uh, favorite yeah, that scene. probably is the best scene. Um, and yeah, so the sound. I remember. I'm pretty sure it's this movie. On the DVD, there was a bonus feature about the sound design and the guy, like, it was showing him going out and finding these sounds to record and, like, actually, like, doing things to ice and uh, just other things, like the Foley artist, like, how it's like, oh, this sound is actually this. And it was super interesting. But, yeah, watching the actual scene, like... It sounds amazing. I love it. Like all the crunching and yeah. all that stuff is really cool. Yeah, I like it. I, I I don't love it, but I definitely like it. I feel like I wouldn't mind. I remember watching, I think I've only seen Atlantis once. So I feel yeah, like I too. should watch that. I should probably watch Treasure Planet. Have you seen that? I think I've seen that once. Is it any good? Do you remember? I mean, I probably prefer Muppet Treasure Island, but <laughs> well. uh, it's yeah, it's it's interesting. I like that it's taking um, a known story and just putting a space twist on it. And yeah, I don't think it's amazing because I have seen people online. And they lump in all these things together like, why are we doing live action remakes of all these successful Disney movies like do Atlantis and Treasure Planet and all these things? It's like, these are amazing movies. It's like, they're okay. Like, they didn't do well. And I kind of get why they didn't. They're not bad. So they're like, even if they were box office failures, it's like, I don't know, maybe just people at the time were sick of seeing these kinds of movies. Like... It's right. not the fault of the movie necessarily, so I don't know. But yeah. they're also not like masterpieces, I don't think. Yeah, like I would rather them redo Treasure Planet and Atlantis uh, and like fix them or something if there is a problem with them. But marketing wise and like just, yeah, making money. Uh, yeah for sure yeah i don't know if there is a problem i think it's again just marketing yeah um, and certain things just aren't as good like uh like hunchback and notre dame that storyline is just not as appealing as a normal princess story you know what i mean it's just like it's not all stories are going to be bangers and I'm really feeling this because I've watched the three Narnia movies with the kids and it's Mm -hmm. just like these are not that good like they're fine but they're nothing it's like not everything's awesome and even things with good messaging like the, the moral of the story and stuff like that isn't necessarily entertaining where like for kids stuff or I feel uh, I don't know I'm trying to think of like examples but yeah uh, there's certain things that are just entertaining and aren't that good 
but are just dumb entertainment almost. And then vice versa, where it's like, yeah, that's good message and like it's technically fine but like no one's uh there's not that oh you just love every character or something like toy stories like it's just awesome all around yeah um this story though uh at the end for sure pulls a lot of noah's ark yeah uh, themes with the whole planet thing and saving the planet and repopulating and having all the DNA of all these animals and stuff so it's yeah. like the and Titan they, is an arc. They got the rainbow too. Yeah. yeah. Um, what uh, th- well I'm not. This Where is this question. planet going to be? That was. They don't really well, get into that. How's this planet going to be heated? Or yeah, is it, is it close enough to a, a star? Is yeah, what's its orbit going to be? Is there's a lot of things that uh, Could I was these thinking of energy that people of just come and kill it again. Yeah, or is, are they done for because they killed the mothership? Like, right. is that all that they were, and they all come from that? Like, yeah, I was almost thinking they don't say it, but it's like, are they almost? I was almost going to think that they were going to be because I forgot what happened. Like, I didn't remember the ice or anything, but that it's like, are they going to be almost at uh, where Earth blew up and just, like, <laughs> almost recollect stuff <laughs> in a weird way? I do like that the moon gets destroyed. Yeah, I like to, that. But... Um, yeah. The the Dredge Queen looks... To me, a lot like the Independence Day aliens. Yeah. In a way, like the, the limbs and a bit in the face. Um, and talking about uh, camera movements, there's a point where I think it's like when he's running on the Titan to like activate it, Kale jumps over the camera. <laughs> It's like oh, yeah. a shot where you could see it being done in live action where someone's like sprinting towards the camera and they they have to do an obvious like little hurdle over it. But right. in animation, you shouldn't need to do that, but he still does it <laughs> the way that it would be in live action. I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, that's an interesting whole discussion also with like... Uh, like, I know Peter Jackson's talked about it, where, like, you can, with uh, CG, you can move the camera anywhere you want. Like, they have yeah. it go through the ring with Gollum, yeah. right? So it's stuff like that. But then, uh, like, Zack Snyder loves his crash zooms, and then even George Lucas in Attack of the Clones has crash zooms. So it's just, like... I, when you really feel it at the end of uh, Attack of the Clones, where it's like, oh, there's a cameraman sitting here amongst the this battle. It's always yeah. like, I kind of like it, but it's weird to recreate this like documentary feel all of a sudden, where it's like, usually you're, yeah just floating around (laughs) and yeah i think a lot of tv shows especially around this time and i guess yeah star wars that's what they were going for was like it 
makes it feel more real like there is a film crew doing this thing that obviously isn't being filmed for real right because speaking of firefly i know that that had that a lot especially in space where it's like wide shot and zoom in like to the the ship and even like doesn't focus perfectly right away i kind of like it i i like i'll ignore that it doesn't make sense because i'd the artistic if you can call it that or whatever decision the creative decision to use it i like so even in attack of the clones even Zack snyder doing a crash zoom on superman flying it's like i kind of like it yeah so i don't like shaky cam in general not that this added it but like there's certain camera techniques not that i'm that familiar with them all but like you just like it whatever it's fine <laughs> like even uh jj abrams people with the like uh what do you call it the flash zoom flare or what do you call it lens flare lens flare it's like i don't mind it it's, yeah there, there actually is one in this it, I, I noticed there's a lens flare it's like yeah it's there i don't mind <laughs> yeah but yeah I gave it a three and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. It could go higher. I think it's, I don't know if it's a four or whatever. It's certainly not bad. It's certainly not amazing. But it's, uh, yeah. Like, I think yeah. it has more potential. Like, it, it's a really good blueprint or whatever. Like, they could just expand it. I feel like it could be a series or a live action movie and just give it more time, uh, tweak a few things. But yeah, the premise is fun. Yeah. I gave it a four and it's probably got that half star bump for nostalgia. Um, so yeah, same thing. It's it's got the the concept execution is up there, but it's like there are some sloppy or not even sloppy, but just kind of missteps where like we we're talking about the over animation and some of that uh, audio. It's, it could be tightened up a little bit. <laughs> tightened up AE. Nice. Um, so yeah, but I gave it a four. Because, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty good. So, um, yeah, check it out. It's on Disney Plus if you've got that. Here's a question for you Why is Indiana Jones not on Disney Plus? Um, it, oh, is that Paramount? It's Paramount, yeah. So, I guess they don't. I don't. The, the question is why is that at MGM or not MGM I guess uh, Hollywood Studios why is there the Indiana Jones attraction at Disney well you can but you can, kind of you can wave rights it's and MGM. get money <laughs> I guess yeah like that. Uh, yeah there are different rights I guess because yeah, there's like theme park rights there's TV rights there's film rights well that, so yeah and like, there's something even with Marvel Right, because Marvel yeah. is Universal. Yeah. And it's there it's like 
Disney's not allowed to do like Marvel rides, I don't think. But certain ones, because they did Guardians of the Galaxy. So there's certain Marvel rides that they're not allowed to do east of the Mississippi. That's literally... <laughs> so it's like they can do it at Disneyland, but they can't do them near east of the Mississippi. So Florida. It's bizarre. I love lawyers and contracts. <laughs> um... Forget what I thought you were going to ask. <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere else related to this. Um, but where do you want to go next week? This one kind of came out of the previous week. Which I love. Do we, do we follow suit with that and do... Um, a couple things came to mind. Uh, one, just talking about animation and ambition ambitious animations and stuff I have seen uh, there's a store in Barrie called Canada Computers and they have I go there all the time for work they have their screens on their demo units and lately they've been playing the Lego movie Okay. and it is blowing me away how good that movie still looks Oh yeah. and it makes me angry every time because it's like this movie was not nominated for best animated film at the Oscars. And then you have this year, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, which is not 100% an animated film. There's live action stuff in it. And it's like, what are the rules here? Like, <laughs> Well, there's live action in the Lego too. But I know yeah, exactly. So, mostly. but... Yeah. Now that doesn't matter. Oh, was that know. the reason why it wasn't nominated? I don't know. I that that was my guess. Is is it disqualified because I it feel has like live it's all trash. Th- there's, it doesn't matter. There, I just... feel like you, this is the world has become, and I'm sorry to say it, but I was not uh, a A plus student by far. I was more of a B student. Uh, throughout probably B minus uh, if you averaged all of school but uh, whatever B student but I always got my stuff in on time no matter what even if it sucked because it was like well I'm not getting marks knocked off just for nothing it's like I'll get I'll lose on the field <laughs> instead of losing uh and constantly, constantly, constantly get my stuff in. Other kids get it in late. And obviously I don't know how teachers are marking and they can keep track of it in their head, I'm sure. Where it's like, yeah, I won't technically take off marks. But you know how I feel like kids constantly got away with lateness and not following by the rules. And it's just like, well, this was the assignment. Adam, perfect example. You and I experienced it together. Drama class, where this was a competition for that musical thing. Yeah. And it, it was a competition until we won. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's not a competition anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like the Oscars and everything has turned into this, where it's like 
there used to be criteria for everything and rules and now it's like we're just gonna fudge stuff all over the place so if there was like some rule about the live action or whatever and like what is what are we actually basing our votes on and stuff like something like imagine if avatar doesn't get the oscar for special effects yeah where it's like there's no arguing it's impossible yeah. it's by far the best special yeah. effects movie it, of this it's not year. even and, a matter of opinion it's just a fact <laughs> that it but is i could see it not happening because yeah. like just it's a because popularity contest right so it's just like this kind of crap so i don't even know where that rant was going or came from but yeah that's coming up march 12th i don't know that we are going to do anything but we can, i will not uh, be <laughs> I, I don't want to watch it i don't care i know i've i've seen the most pre nominations i've seen the most nominated movies usually it's like once i find out what's nominated i'll try and watch them but i think i've seen like 50 percent of the best picture nominees just from watching things as they come out on streaming like not even like top guns maybe one of the only ones i've seen in theaters or that in avatar so it's just kind of interesting mm-hmm. um so we we can decide i was uh the other things i was thinking coming out of um this discussion was maybe some sort of um Matt Damon connection or what was the other thing I came up with? <laughs> Talk about Matt Damon. I've started to watch Jason Bourne easily three times and have fallen asleep each time and can't get into it. And it's like I've watched like the first half an hour, 45 minutes, and then a year goes by. <laughs> and I'm like, I should really watch them. I don't, and that those are movies that I don't really love at all i like the first one quite a bit but the other ones talk about shaky cam i know people don't like me complaining about shaky cam sometimes but it's a thing i don't like it <laughs> it's cheap it's not i've a good seen film. the first one and i don't remember anything of it and i haven't seen any of the other ones um so and i have the the original trilogy at least on blu-ray um but in relation to that sort of um john wick four is coming out next month it's like three hours long (laughs) (laughs) i Uh, i don't know if that's true that's what i heard somewhere okay um which is stupid confirmed uh, runtime do they have time to shave it down <laughs> um, but I haven't seen those either I've seen the first one same thing and then I haven't watched the other two but I own them so I was thinking for March we should do the trilogy just as all three in one yeah because and I then feel maybe like we could see the fourth one and do that for sure. one sure i i i like i like those movies so quite that's a bit. looking ahead to the end of 
March. So, um, we'll, uh, I'll temporarily put that in. So, anyways, next week remains to be seen. Um, we'll figure something out. Two hours and 49 minutes, which is way too long. Unless it's deservingly, like I I can hope that it deserved it and I'm wrong, but like those, that type of movie, uh, unless they go a different way. Uh, like the first one's an hour 40, second one's two hours, third's two ten. So. Hmm. Yeah. So you haven't seen the second or third? No. Hmm. So I thought that could be interesting. So related to Born, I don't know that I, there's no reason... <laughs> Like no immediate reason to do the the Bourne movies other than no. you haven't watched all of Jason Bourne. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I don't really. I'd rather watch John Wick. Okay, well, that'll be next month. So stay tuned for that, and thanks for listening. <laughs>